0: Almost 10 years ago, I left a corporate career that just wasn't giving me the professional or personal life that I wanted. I was burnt out, disengaged, and feeling sick and tired of having no control over my schedule and feeling like there were always limits on what I could accomplish. So I started a consulting business. I had no idea what was in store for me, but by taking that leap, I created a new path to professional success significantly more income, and a personal life with so much flexibility, family time, and lots of travel. And I don't think I'll ever look back. So many of you have heard my story and asked me if you should jump into consulting. It's not a simple yes or no, so I've created a short quiz to help you figure out if consulting is right for you. If you're wondering if consulting might be the next right step for you, Go ahead and take two minutes to take the quiz at theclaritywizard.com forward slash quiz and discover if now is the right time to move from employee to entrepreneur. Hello, and welcome to the Fork in the Road podcast. I'm your host, Kathy Guzman-Galloway. And on this season two, we are talking to experts who help us move past this fork in the road and into the next phase of our journey. Today, I had the privilege of speaking with Allison Pena. Through her own experiences with loss and grief, Allison has developed a framework that helps us get unstuck and move forward, even when the pain of grief is getting the best of us. After the devastating and long-lasting effects of the pandemic, the emotional and painful racial awakening and ignorance in the last few years, the recent sickening mass shootings that are very, very raw, even as I record this a day after the Tulsa shooting, and the natural and expected pains of everyday human life, her work is more needed than ever. Allison shares her own story of grief and her five step process for moving forward. No matter what you are grieving, I hope this episode helps you to start moving forward. Hi, Allison. I'm so excited to have you here today. We are talking about a super important topic, so relevant, particularly after the difficulty of this pandemic. And honestly, we are recording it within weeks of so many really difficult moments that have happened in the country related to mass shootings. Even just yesterday, another one happened in Tulsa. And so all of this is really top of mind and close to everyone's hearts. I'm excited for you to talk to us about the process of grieving and how we can really move forward through that. And before we start, I would love for you to just take a minute and tell our audience about yourself and about your story and how you came into this topic.
1: So my name's Alison Penna, and I call myself Bad Widow, because when I became a widow, what I discovered is that most widows go along to make people feel comfortable around them. So you'll be asked, how are you? And that person will say fine when they are really not fine. And so I decided to be a different kind of widow and actually express my truth as it was happening from what I call inside the raw. I was with my husband for 25 years and then he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and we fought for his life for 11 months. We learned a lot about living fearlessly because we say, what would you do if tomorrow was your last day? When you get that kind of diagnosis for one of you, it will be your last day soon. And it brings this real urgency to living. It brings this sense of, I need to say I love you today because we might not have tomorrow. So after he died, I became a widow. He died at home in my arms. It was just the two of us. It was the most incredibly beautiful and heartbreaking moment of my life. And I consider myself lucky. And then after four breaths in my arms, he was gone and I was a widow. And I had no idea what that meant. I was with this man for 25 years. And what I discovered was that there were very few resources that were not, this is the linear way you move through grief. Except in my experience of grief, that's not the way it was. It was grief, fear, anger, shame, guilt, regret, all of it crashing down at once at some times. So the ways that we are told that grief works is not actually for most people the way that it does work. I had breakdowns that I could not find described anywhere. I had five seconds to get to the kitchen. Once I remembered I was hungry, Before I forgot, I had memory gaps you could drive a truck through. My energy couldn't be counted on. I couldn't deal with people. So it was hard to work. I was a coach who couldn't coach. I was a proofreader and editor who couldn't remember anything and couldn't focus. So I couldn't do anything I was qualified for. None of this are you told about. (laughs) So there are moments when a person who's grieving really thinks that they might be crazy because we don't talk about grief. We don't talk about what it's really like. In the face of that, what happens is people come in with their advice. As human beings, we want to help. We want to fix it. We want to support. But this conversation about grief, as it truly is, is something that we're really not having very often. And so nobody knows what to do. Sometimes they do and say stupid things. And honestly, everybody is doing their best. I'm so convinced that everybody is doing the best they can, except that they're just uninformed. And so how do you let people know what's a better way to do it? For example, people would say to me, how are you? Now, that's a very reasonable thing to say, except that my whole world blew up when this man that I was with and loved for 25 years died. So my thought inside my head was, how do you think I am? My future just blew up and I do not see any future, any future in the horizon that doesn't include this incredible pain. Not a helpful thing to say. So as Bad Widow, what I started doing is recognizing that people weren't getting it wrong because they meant badly. They were getting it wrong because they were clueless. So I started to actually give better frameworks for people to interact with someone who's grieving. So I said, I can't answer that. I can't answer, how are you? But I could answer, how are you today? How has it been this week? with a shorter time frame i could answer those questions and the people who loved those who were grieving but didn't know what to do they were so glad to know what they could do for real and so bad widow came about because things kept going wrong for me you know i walked out the door to an appointment and i got a block and a half before i realized i had my slippers on and i only Knew it because my heels got cold and I looked down and I thought, Oh, so my best friend made me a sign of all the things that I should not forget when I walked out the door, keys, wallet, but it included shoes. I began building these nets for myself. And then after I'd gotten through far enough, I began showing other people how to do this, how to move forward through their grief with really clear, practical, Frameworks because it's all very well to say, here's what you need to do to feel better, to move through this piece. But typically, the resources for grief are patchwork. How do you handle releasing stuff? Go to a clearing specialist. How do you handle dealing with finances? Go to a financial consultant. How do you handle that chaotic, overwhelming, grieving feelings? Go to a grief counselor. If you're stuck and you really need professional help, what do you do with that? But it's kind of a patchwork. There's nothing that actually addresses the length of time that grief takes. And yeah. so everyone's ready for you to move on much faster than is possible.
0: Yeah. Your story is so thought-provoking and certainly feels painful <laughs> this is an inadequate word. To describe what I think you probably went through. And I'm sorry that you went through that. And so many people go through this. It's a part of life, right? It's almost inevitable for all of us to have that experience at some point or another. And I appreciate that not only did you provide guidance for those who are grieving, but for those of us who interact with people who are grieving, which feels so powerful. I wonder what is it about being in grief? And this is almost a silly question, but would love to hear your thoughts on it. But what is it about being in grief, whether it's your husband who's passed or you lost a child or goodness in the pandemic, you could have lost any number of people close to you. What is it about grief that makes it so hard for us to just do anything to really be normal and be able to interact with the world the way that we did before? What is it that is so consuming about grief that way?
1: Grief by its nature changes people. You talked about the shootings that are happening all over the country, this horrific thing, which honestly may have been happening all along, probably was, but people weren't noticing it because it wasn't raised up into our awareness. The people who have actually lost people are grieving. The community is grieving because they felt safe and they don't feel safe. So grief has this ripple effect, but we're taught that it's a personal experience. It's a personal experience. It's also a universal experience. So why does it catch us up and why do we have such a hard time? Because people who are grieving feel ashamed to be less than they were before, less capable, less able to make decisions, less sure of what actions to take. People who are grieving are very often treated like they're broken and broken people are very often ashamed of that. And so what happens is that there's a real reluctance to reach out for the help because honestly, you might not even know what's needed right after my husband died, I'm here for you. What can I do? Bring him back. That's all I wanted. But in the absence of that person's ability to do that, there were many other things that I needed that I sometimes could and sometimes couldn't articulate. So the biggest devastation of grief is the shame.
0: That's so interesting. I don't know that I'd ever associated grief with shame but I can see it. I can imagine it as you describe it now. I wonder what what drives the shame and if our collective inability to handle sadness and that type of an emotion is part of what's driving that, which is why mental health issues have never until slowly now really been at the top of our understanding as a community. And I wonder if that's related to this idea of shame that we don't accept what that means. And I can imagine even as you were talking about treating people in grief as if they are broken, I know of someone who was quite young and lost her husband. And in those first few days, she did seem broken naturally. And People surrounded her in trying to almost to baby her instead of what I thought at the time is just allowing her to go through that experience and she eventually will come out of it and be able to deal with what she needs to deal with, but she isn't broken. She's a capable person, she's just going through something. So I I wonder if just our lack of understanding collectively about that, about negative emotions that way and mental health issues is part of what that shame comes from. Is that fair?
1: Oh, yeah. No, I think that that's absolutely a part of where that comes from. And there's this interesting push-pull in that you really need a chance to contract a little bit, less people, less activities to heal, to have that time to do that. And yet, you feel a little untethered from the world and from your communities. So it's really important for people to call in to keep touching base. One of the things I really recommend is that if there's a community of people supporting that person, they will need support, robust support for at least two years. And grief in reality, the hardest part of grief lasts five years, but we're not taught that. At the end of a year, you're expected to have bounced back, gotten back to normal. And so when that doesn't happen, and I don't actually know anyone for whom it has happened. Is there something wrong with me that everyone says I should be able to do this, do that. And I can't, Mm. I just can't. So absolutely. I think it's all tied together. And I think our lack of education and training about how grief is not something to be shunned. It's something that we go through every step of our lives from that first pet that you lost, to that job that you desperately wanted, that you got downsized from, to the business that ran out of money, to the health issues. My mother-in-law's 99, and I see the grief of aging as what she's able to do gets smaller.
0: Ready to ditch corporate and find fulfillment as your own boss? You may be considering or even dreaming of ditching that life-sucking job and doing your own thing as a consultant. But right now, it still feels like a huge leap and you aren't sure where to begin. You can keep considering and dreaming, but if you're not professionally or personally fulfilled, then what are you waiting for? It's time to tap into the expertise and experience you already have with confidence and create your own consulting business where you can control your career, your income, and your time. Introducing From Corporate to Consultant, the Consultant Launch Course. Go from your corporate job to establishing a company, getting clients, and planning for growth in just six weeks. If you want to start consulting, you need to know how to start a business. This course gives you the exact roadmap you need to build your consulting business. Yes, you can spend hours and hours searching and finding answers in the black hole of the internet, trying to make sense of it all, or just figuring it out as you go but I have been there and I know it's a waste of time and money. So I've taken my almost 10 years of experience in building a consultancy of over 500,000 in revenue and put it into this course. With an easy to follow approach, this course will give you a strong foundation for your business and set you up with a clear plan for how to move forward. So you can focus on doing your best consulting work and getting results like the expert that you are. It's time to stop feeling stuck and start feeling in charge of your path. The sooner you get started, the sooner you can leave your nine to five behind and start taking control of your schedule, your finances, your legacy, and your life. Visit theclaritywizard.com forward slash course to get started today.
1: The recognition that grief is not just when someone died, these great, powerful movements which are happening in our country with the gun shootings, with Black Lives Matter, with all of these grief and rage rising up from injustices that have been going on for a long time. That's grief too.
0: Yeah. And it makes me wonder too, what you're describing, right? And that grief exists in so many ways. It also shows up, I imagine, in so many ways, right? There are different levels where we didn't all lose our husbands, which feels like a level 100 or a child, a level 100. But -hmm. to your point, a pet is still really important. But it may also be something as simple as losing a home or having to move from a community, losing a job, losing friendships, where I may not be in a broken state and be utterly devastated, but I'm still feeling those elements of grief. And I wonder if you could help us self-identify. How do I know that what I'm feeling is grief? Like How might that show up in a way that isn't? all the way to 100 that it's a little less intense but this is what you're in this is grief what is that what does it look like
1: i was talking to someone recently and she had a beloved dog die and as we were talking about it the tears rose into her eyes and she apologized oh i'm so sorry i don't know why this is still going on because people who lose pets that they've loved often for years are grieving, what they're hearing is, it's just a pet. So it's when you get those moments of that spark off tears, or that spark off a moment of reflection, there might be times or places or sounds or smells, all kinds of things can spark up this feeling of grief. And the thing that's important to recognize is there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with grieving what we're sad about and in the treating it like there's something wrong. That's the problem because that isolates us.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's helpful. And I can imagine grief popping up in so many ways and places, even in my own life through time, right? Still having that feeling. All right. We've identified it. We've named it. We know that it's happening. And yet- We need to move forward with our lives. There are things that we need to do. In our case, our audience is thinking about the next phase of their life or their career might be evolving. And that's a huge change that they're contemplating. How do I start to think about the ways to move forward in my life, even while I'm respecting the place that I'm in, acknowledging that I'm in grief and and allowing that process to happen? but avoiding the limiting, impending doom sense that prevents me from doing anything. Even if it is a small thing, like, or I shouldn't say small thing, but smaller, like losing a pet or losing a job or losing a friendship, how do I start to think about moving forward?
1: I have sort of five clear frameworks. So the first thing that you need to do when you're grieving something so that literally your life feels like it's blown up is to reconnect with yourself. And to do that, you figure out where is the place that I feel most myself, grounded in myself, outside of any role, any responsibility. Is it at work? Is it in one-on-one relationships, increasing self-care? Or is it leaning into community? So for me, it was leaning into community. So, Bad Widow was congruent with serving my community with my own pain. It's basically what I did. But it was aligned with coming back to myself as well. So, that's reconnect. The second is reengage. We contract when we're hurt naturally to heal. And so, how do you begin to push past the fear of the pain back into the world again? Because we lose some trust in. What's possible for us? What does the future hold when we're grieving? The next thing is reinvent. Although people would like to be able to bounce back, although the people who care about them would like them to get back to normal and back to who they are, it's not possible. And it's really important to recognize that because otherwise you're just hearkening back to an impossibility. There are ways that grief raises up, and this is the incredible thing about grief, raises up what really matters. It escalates love and longing. It resurfaces the things that you may have given up. And there's a real, I will not settle for less when you hit that point. And so, you know, re-engage is start getting back out into the world. For me, I couldn't be a coach, I couldn't be a proofreader or editor, and I took a job for $10 an hour in a Halloween pop-up store, because I had to, in some way, start pushing out my boundaries from where I was. The next thing is reinvent. Okay, if you're not the person you were, then who are you? Figuring that out. After that, it's rebuild your networks. In the face of grief, people leave. They might leave because they no longer have a role. They might leave you because you burst into tears or got angry at them. They might leave because they were afraid of you, that your grief might be contagious to them. So there will be some people who will step up, some that will step back, and some that will leave. It's necessary to fill the holes that are left afterwards. And what I recommend is doing that proactively, not just allowing it to happen by default. And when you lose a spouse, the gaps are vast and everywhere. And then the last thing is to reset for the future. So you now know, you're now reengaged into the world. You know who you are. And what that does very often is it changes the trajectory of your life. It might have you interested in focusing in a different direction in your career. Live in a different place. Go closer to certain people that you care about. So it will reset your life because grief throws everything up in the air. And when everything is up in the air, what's possible is to create something that's much more true to who you are. And where you're going. So that's the heartbreak and the heart open of grief.
0: Yeah, these feel so actionable and clear Mm -hmm. and logical, even, right? That myself not currently being in grief, I can see them, I recognize them, they make perfect sense. I can imagine how I would do them. And I think that's really helpful. Is there a time and place when? It's okay to just be stuck and just live in it and wallow in it and be where you are. And how do I know when, great, it's time for step one and get to reconnect. When is that moment?
1: You don't want to stay in stuck for too long. And one of the ways actually to stay stuck is to resist what is. So if you're in the middle of grieving hard, if there are a million feelings flying around that are unpredictable and uncomfortable and all of that, and you are trying to stuff those down, that will actually keep you stuck because they need to be vented like a volcano, right? If you don't vent them, you get an explosion. One of the things I highly recommend is self-expression and self-care need to be amped up in these moments. I did a particular kind of movement, somatic healing movement to move the emotions through my body. For me, it's singing and writing. It's something for everyone. What is the thing that allows to be whatever it is in your body? And what people mistake is they think, well, if I allow it, then I'm bringing it in. No, it's already there. If you just... Don't give it qualities like this is good, this is bad, and you just let it be. Then what winds up happening is they go by like clouds. Whereas if you grip it and you go, I'm not going to feel that, I'm not going to feel that, I'm not going to feel that, it's like purple elephants. That's all you're going to feel. And then you get stuck. If that goes on for too long, basically one of the things that I say is if you think you need professional help, get it. You're right how do you move out of that? When the longing to take back your life gets bigger than the fear of the pain of losing, that's when it's possible to really move. Every grief journey is different. Everyone goes through these places that I've described. They may not go through every aspect of their life at the same place. So for example, they might be able to get back to work faster then they're willing to open up to love. There are going to be places where people are in different stages at different times throughout the whole thing. That's why it's not linear. It's confusing. Where am I? When am I going to get through? This is awful. It's awful.
0: But what I'm hearing you say is to really listen to yourself. Mm -hmm. When you're saying this is awful, I don't want this anymore. That feels like a great place to start. And you're also saying, listen to yourself to know when it's time to get help, which I think is, you know, especially these days, really important to go and find some professional help to really help you through that. You know, it isn't lost on me that you went through this process yourself and had to come out of it on the other side with enough lucidity and self reflection to be able to write this book and come up with these um frameworks and these processes. And I'm just curious how you reflect back on your own experience and having gone through it and then now writing the book and imagining that some point in the future, it's inevitable for you to go through something, maybe not quite in the same level, but certainly that you will lose others and you will go through grief. And how do you think this is experience has really prepared you as the author of this book for that in your own life.
1: Yeah. My book, The Bad Widow Guide to Life After Loss, Moving Through Grief to Live and Love Again, talks about some of these stages that I was talking about on here. But the thing about it is that when the pandemic came and we were closed into our apartments, I live in New York City, It was very like the sense of time stopping or time slowing that I experienced when I was grieving. So there was a way in which I was prepared for that. That was very weird. When everybody else was shocked by it, I was like, oh, this is familiar. It's not nice, but I can survive it. One further thing about advice. So when you're Senses that you need to get help. People will give you advice as to when, and all advice is not equal. So the people who know you, who you trust, listen to them and then filter it through what you know about yourself. At the end of the day, you live with the consequences of the choice that you make based on, your, on their advice. So if they say you're broken, but that's not your experience pay attention. Pay attention to the ones you trust when they're giving you advice, because sometimes you can't see very clearly in this moment. But also pay attention to yourself, trust yourself, because you live with those consequences. And I think that's really important to reiterate, because it's hard to make decisions when you're grieving.
0: Yeah, thank you. I think you've given us a lot to really think about and this framework that you created feels so actionable before we go, can you tell the audience how we can get in touch with you, how we can work with you and where we can find your book?
1: Yeah, my website is badwidow.com. So that's very easy to find. There are many, many ways to work with me. So I do one-on-one consulting. I have this book, The Bad Widow Guide to Life After Loss, Moving Through Grief to Live and Love Again. And I've just opened up a monthly membership because- I didn't have an accessible and cost-effective way for people to have support through five years. And so this membership is designed for that, using what I do to help people over the long term. It's called the Heartbreak to Hope Haven. So best way to find me is badwidow.com. And I'm here. Thank you. Thank you, Allison. I really appreciate you
0: taking time today.
1: Thanks so much, Kathy. Thanks for having me on.